Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to High Energy Health. And on the show, as I do every week, I just bubble over with joy and enthusiasm because I just love sharing this stuff. You know, it's just amazing to be at the junction of this exciting time we are now when science and spirituality and psychology and body awareness and all these things are all flowing together in one stream. And whichever entry point you take to the stream, maybe your entry point is your physical body. You want to be healthier and more vibrant. Like I write about in my book, The Genie in Your Genes, you're literally shifting gene expression in your body with every single emotion, every single spiritual experience, and the results over time are dramatic. So it's exciting to be a approaching it from the body, the mind. And there's been so much focus in the last few decades on the mind and how our minds work. And whether you approach from the standpoint of the mind, it is there are powerful practices now that by shifting our minds, we literally shift the whole trajectory of our lives. In one st studying study published last year, the researchers looked at the correlation between beta amyloid plaques in the brain. And the shorthand for that is Alzheimer's disease. So people with Alzheimer's have an accumulation of these beta amyloid plaques that stop neurons firing. They looked at all the risk factors for Alzheimer's in a group of patients using a really advanced scanner that just they just put it, put it near the person's head. It can measure those beta amyloid plaques. And of all the risk factors, including genetics for Alzheimer's, the number one influence was, wait for it, negative thinking. People who had negative thinking had Alzheimer's plaques build up in their brains. And what's even more striking is the effect scaled. The more negative thinking, the more the buildup of beta amyloid plaques over the four years of the study. So we're now realizing that our minds and the quality of our thoughts can have a dramatic effect on our bodies down to the level of genetics. And whether it's spirituality, we are now finding that spirituality isn't something that you have to get to by going to some special place like a hermitage or the Himalayas or a monastery and taking vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. I can't do that because I, I can't give up Zinfandel. I just, I'm just too addicted to Zinfandel wine, a really good lush Zinfandel. So unfortunately, that has not been my path. <laughs> But whether you're coming to it from spirituality, you'll find that all of these things are coming together, these powerful practices. And so each week on the show, I share those with you and I encourage you to practice them. Actually do this stuff. So we're going to give you some practices on today's show, as well as talking about the ideas behind this confluence of ideas, this confluence of approaches. And, the, and my guest today is somebody who's amazingly and unusually qualified to share that with you. Her name is Connie Ray Andreas, and she's been in this field of personal development for many, many years. She developed a method called Core Transformation, and this helps people find that inner spiritual core and resolution. But that led her to new work 
called Wholeness Work. And if you want to find out more about her new approach, go to the website, thewholenesswork.org.org. So it's not .com, it's .org, thewholenesswork.org. And today we'll be talking about her book, Coming to Wholeness. We'll be talking about her whole approach to her own growth cycle and the growth cycles of her clients. And we'll be sharing some practices you can use to trigger this kind of change in your own life. So Connie Ray, it is an absolute privilege and delight to welcome you and have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Dawson. And I'm very excited to be here too. It's an honor to be here with you, speaking with you and and meeting your community of people. So much that you just said, Dawson, I resonate with. Yes, very strongly. And especially what you said about science and spirituality and what, what we're going to be talking about today, the wholeness work, I think is the bridge between these. And I even sometimes I, I call the wholeness work, it's I say it's the science of spirituality. It's like if if and so I so agree with you, we're living in exciting times when we can be exploring these things. Because what if it would be possible for all of us to have the kind of transformation that spiritual teachers talk about that kind of deep shift of consciousness itself that goes way beyond just fixing problems. And it's this fundamental shift in how we are in the world. What if we could all have access to that? And what if it didn't what if we didn't have to wait for some kind of miracle or for something to just kind of tap us on the shoulder? What if there was an easy way, a gentle way that we could each do something to just get direct access? And that's what I'm saying that the wholeness work is. And I, I hope some of you challenge me on that and, and, and are skeptical enough that you try it out. <laughs> and, you know, that was the old model. The old model was either you were struck by grace, you know, you were like the Eckhart Tolle experience or the experiences of some people who just in a flash, they had this grace descend and they were enlightened and their whole lives changed. Byron Katie with the cockroach crawling over her foot, living in an attic. So there are those people who have those abrupt experiences. Uh, many people don't have those experiences. And the traditional path to what you're describing, Connie Ray, was doing what Paul Brunton called the long path, the long path to enlightenment, where you go and if you take vows, you put yourself under the care of a master, you're in a secluded place for a long time, and maybe after 25,000 hours of meditation, you get somewhere and you're an initiate and you go from there. And it was all very mysterious and no idea how to really do that other than that, that long path. Now we're discovering these neurological signposts where you can actually trigger these experiences systematically by practices like you have in your book. So I'm just so thrilled we're now moving toward a, a stage of human understanding, which is possible to systematize these growth processes. But before we go there, I'd like to just find out from you about your movement from being a therapist and being a therapist and having all these innovative ideas as well, and then moving into this place of now teaching what think of as non-duality or enlightenment or the peace that passes all understanding or that elevated consciousness that, that these great beings from the past have shown us is possible to attain. So what was your, your journey? From one to the other. It is. I'm glad you asked because it, it is a very, the wholeness work comes from my personal journey. It came out of desperation, really, to be, to just sum it up in one word. But basically, as you said, I'd been a personal growth teacher, an author, a leader in teach in the field of NLP, as it happens. And I could see that this was a leading edge, great method, a set of methods. And yet I came to the place in my own life where there was a crisis that everything that I knew wasn't enough to take care 
of it, you know, and solve the, the problem of the day. So the, I got to the wholeness work really through two crises. And the first one, I, Dr. Milton Erickson, the famous hypnotherapist, he was still alive. It was the last year of his life. The first crisis was a relationship crisis. I was just agonizing over whether to go forward with a relationship or end it. And I went to see Dr. Milton Erickson as a part of a small group of therapists. And that experience of being there one week in a teaching seminar, I had no one-on-one sessions, but being we were a small circle of people. And on the very last day, I had asked him to see me privately. He agreed, but then never set up a session. So by the very last day, I'd given up all hope. <laughs> and he, of course, Milton Erickson, he's, he's, he's this clever person. He, we, there was this dance the whole week, which I won't tell you all the details. But on the very last day, I experienced this moment where it was as if in a split second, something came over me and I felt like a different person. And it was, I liked this person. <laughs> I liked it a lot, you know, <laughs> because for the first time in my life, there I was just with this sense that everything is fine. It was this deep well-being. And I had this knowing that I, I didn't know what I'd do with this relationship. I didn't know if I'd go forward, not go forward. But I knew that somehow when the time was right, I would know what to do. And I would do whatever was was in some sense, in, a, in the larger sense, meant to happen. And so I wasn't concerned. And at that moment, Dr. Erickson looked at me from across the circle and he said, and, do you, and your unconscious mind has just made an important decision. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he said, and do you still feel the need to see me privately? You know? And it was interesting because right before he asked that, I had the thought, you know, if he offered me a session now, I don't know what I would work on because somehow I know it's solved. And then over, so the interesting thing that opened for me, what I only later realized was what spiritual teachers call a spiritual awakening. Erickson didn't call it that. So I didn't even think in those terms. But, but the bad news was that it started coming coming apart. So, <laughs> so this awakening of sorts, it lasted for strongly for a few weeks, enough for me to make my decision. I did get married to my husband. And but but it wasn't just yes or no. It was I felt literally this bubbling inside for that whole two weeks. Something was happening, and we could call it a shift in the nervous system. I think that was beginning to occur. And at the end of it, I knew what I needed to do. And I said, okay, to my husband, now the man who became my husband, okay, I've, I've come to realize there are three things important if this relationship is going to fit for me. And I want to share those with you. And if they fit for you too, then wonderful, we can go forward. And if they don't fit for you, let's part in peace and love, you know, because then it's not right. So I could make that statement with clarity and without attachment. And he chose to go forward and, and the rest is history. But the unfortunate thing is that my change of consciousness really reverted. It yes. didn't last. So it but it let but I knew now what was possible. And that kept me going to how can I find my way back? How can I help other people find their way back? It led to the development of, of core transformation. Yeah, the Sufis call that a glimpse, often in the presence of a master. It's interesting that one big research database has shown that it often happens in the presence of a master. That there's somebody, they're just in the room with somebody, like you were with Milton Erickson, not even necessarily having personal contact with them. Just being in their presence, though, somehow is able, able to catalyze that glimpse. But then the Sufis say you have a glimpse, you realize what's possible, and then you know there's a there there. There's a there there you can aspire to and go to. And then, of course, it could take you another 30 or 40 years to get back. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had, I started having the feeling later on, well, after my second, my second crisis then happened later. And the second crisis was a much bigger crisis where I felt like everything was falling apart for me, my relationship, my body, my health was falling apart. And what was happening sub- subjectively, it was as if I had this 24 seven stream of electrical energy flowing up my central column and out the top of my head. Now that's, that's sounds pretty weird. It's something I didn't tell people <laughs> because they would just look at me strangely if I said that. But that was my experience and I didn't know what to make of it. I, I thought probably I was dying. I, I didn't know how my body could withstand this energy flowing through. But I thought if there's a chance of me surviving, I'm going to seek, turn every, leave no stone unturned to try to find what do I need to do? What do I need to change so I can stay incarnated on this planet? And that's what led me to spiritual, to studying spiritual teachings. And ultimately, it led me to develop what I now call the wholeness work, because I read these spiritual accounts. And like you said, it was you can read one after the other of people, they went through this change of consciousness, and they don't know how they got there. And I, but I began thinking, okay, there must be some structure to it. There must be a science behind it, even though the science doesn't tend to reveal itself. So what's that science? And that's what led me to the wholeness work. And this is now a process you teach. I think that's so important because so much of spirituality and these spiritual milestones are mysterious. Either that construct, that idea that it's just by grace that it happens like a bolt from the blue, or that you have to put so much time into it. You know, the East Tibetan mother that Richard Davidson studies in the lab and his MRIs that have done sometimes 40,000 hours of meditation. And it's taken a long time to get there. In fact, the, the, the man who wrote the, the, the forward to your books that he's done like over 40,000 hours of, of meditation that's a long, long, long path. And it's yeah. all structure. People can't tell you how to get from point A to point B. So having, giving a structure is something so powerful that you've done. I know you start by having people identify the I. I also want to put a, a marker in here to emphasize maybe later on in the next segment. I thought it's so valuable to read in your book about how you emphasize the body. Because of so many people, it's a disembodied spirituality. Spirituality means going out there somewhere. And you are bringing them right back here into their body over and over and over again. So explain what you mean by by the I, that I, that that me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great question. Well, I started, I began finding answers when I explored the spiritual, the common spiritual teaching. It seemed a lot of Eastern spiritual teachers agreed that the key to enlightenment or awakening was dissolving the ego. But that's a very much a mental concept. And I sat around in these spiritual groups and listened to people discuss what is the ego and how do you dissolve it? And, you know, and I noticed, okay, they're coming back each week with the same questions. And what is the ego really? And so, I thought about this and I thought, what's the ego in experience, not concepts? What is the ego in experience? And I thought, it's the I saying every day in, in the, if we're speaking English, we say, I this, I that. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to join this meeting. I'm going to talk to my partner. I'm going to talk to my children. It's I, I, I. And that doesn't mean we're self-centered any more than just being a regular. I mean, we, we have to be self-centered. Here we are in the body, <laughs> in a particular body. So in that sense, we can't not be self-centered and always speaking about the I. But what is the I and experience, I began to ask. And 
And then I was looking at the teachings of Ramana Maharshi, and he's a well-known spiritual teacher from the last century, well-respected. Many people, I'm sure many of you listeners are, are very familiar with him, some probably more than me, but I found him particularly, his teachings drew me. I thought I trusted him as an authentic teacher. And so I explored it more. And he had this teaching that if people came to him with trouble, and many people did from all over on the globe, all different religions and atheists, people would come to him seeking answers. And his answer to them or his instruction was consistent. It was find out who you really are, and you won't have this question anymore. And the specific practice he gave them was to ask ceaselessly, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? But I thought to myself, okay, that leads most people to content and meaning and interpretation. It leads to more concepts. So then I ask, where's the I located? So that then we get to the direct experience of the I. And if you would like, if we have time, perhaps we can do a little exploring with this, either now or later. I'd I, I love to, in fact, in the next segment, perhaps because we have two minutes before the end of this one, that, uh, that, is, that is a critical question. And if you haven't heard of Ramana Maharshi, he's regarded as the, the fundamental teacher of non-duality, this idea that there isn't us and something else, that consciousness in the universe is one, lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and he was really uh, introduced to the world by the book a Search in Secret India by Paul Branton, published in 1932. That book sold over 2 million copies. So that Ramana Maharshi on the map, not just in the West, but also in India. <laughs> yes, India knew he was before Paul, Paul Branton's book came out. So uh, that's that, that was a huge, a huge question. And that was his, his big inquiry. Uh, ask yourself and then start to dissolve the boundaries between the local self and that non-local universe in which we are all living. That was his focus. I want to just we're, we're go to a break now in a moment. Please stay tuned. My guest today is Honey Ray Andreas and find out more about her and her work at her website, thewholenesswork.org. That's thewholenesswork.org. My name is Dawson Church. You're listening to High Energy Health. We're going to a break right now. We'll be right back after that break. Hi, and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and as you can tell, I am just so thrilled that you're here and to be sharing with you, to be sharing this material every week, to be immersing our consciousness and inspiring ideas that lifting practices is such a powerful choice, and I'm glad you made it today. Make this a habit. Make it a habit to come back over and over and over again to our enormous inventory of people of ideas, of practices, of guests to inspire you and to put you on that path to increased health, wellness, and happiness. It's possible to do those exercises today and trigger all those great shifts in your body. You'd also find 30 of them in my book, Mind to Matter, at the URL at the website mindtomatter.com. I have 30 evidence-based practices putting you in that space. Also, to download a free copy of Connie Ray's book, Coming to Wholeness, you get a free copy of that, a PDF at Andreas, A-N-D-R-E-A-S-N-L-P.com, AndreasNLP.com slash church. So go there to get a copy of her book. It's super clear, easy to read, compelling, shares her story, shares her vision, has a lot of case histories of people she worked with, and just how step-by-step they came to wholeness and how you can too. 
So that website again is andreasnlp.com slash church. So go there, grab the book, and then practice some of these things that she's recommending that we do. Well, Penny Ray, so you found these there are practices that you can you can use, especially body-based practices, questions you ask yourself that guide you into that awareness of who is the I. Yes, yes, yeah. Thank you, Dawson. Yeah, and I was explaining to Dawson on the break that I feel good about guiding you all through this first steps of the process really quickly because I know that I can send you to that book and you can get the more fleshed out piece. So if, if after this you're a little confused, but you're still intrigued, then you can go and get that. <laughs> so shall we start right in? Go for it. Okay, wonderful. So we're, we're going to find out what's, where's, what is the ego in experience? We're going to begin to answer that question. Just begin. So here, here's the deal. We can all just get in a comfortable position. I'm going to do this along with you as I guide everyone. You're welcome to along with me if you'd like, Dawson, whatever you prefer. So I get in a comfortable position. Perhaps take a deep breath, perhaps let my eyes close, and then just notice any sensation in my body. And it doesn't matter what kind of sensation. It might be pleasant, it might be unpleasant, it might be neutral. So right now, I feel the first thing that comes to my attention is this pressure on my thighs, where my thighs are touching the chair I'm sitting in. And you can notice whatever you're noticing. Sometimes people know you might be noticing, oh, there's a little feeling of tightness here in my forehead between my eyebrows, or perhaps uh, there's a feeling of warmth just underneath my ribs in my in my abdomen area, it, or there's a tingling here in my chest. Whatever you notice, it's fine. There's no right or wrong. So just take a moment, notice how much space this body sensation takes up. So for me, this little pressure of sense, pressure sensation in my thighs, it's sort of two ovals, one in each thigh, and it, it's maybe an inch into my into my tissue, my leg tissue. And I just just notice that area, and then sensing in and through the space, notice the sensation quality there. For me, it's hmm, let's see if I check. There's not much sensation, just this little a slight tingling, I think, and a bit of pressure. So you can notice whatever you notice. It might be a sense of so it, sometimes people notice a warmth or a coolness. Sometimes they notice a sense of movement or stillness. Sometimes there's a sense of vibratingness even or, or stillness or, or weightiness, heaviness or lightness or something you can't really put into words. Are you following along also, Dawson? Are you comfortable sharing what you're noticing? Yeah, I have two faces. One is a little bit of tension in my lowest vertebra and the other is a buzzing between my eyes and the one between my eyes is it feels like a I like a gray disc about the size of a tennis ball. So that's that's powerful right now. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. So if that's the more powerful one, so some of you might also listening might also be noticing two places like Dawson and I did too. I would I um if you notice more than one sensation, just pick one. It can be any one, but perhaps the one that's more that gets your attention a little bit more right now. And then you can notice how much space it takes up. Is it a little bit of space here in the forehead or is it bigger? And for each of us, we notice that. And then sensing in and through, what's the sensation quality in and through? And you were saying, I forget, was it some sort of a buzzy? Buzzing, vibrating. Uh, vibrating, yeah, yeah. Feeling very, very, right. very, very quick, quick vibrating. And I get that when I meditate usually, 
Yeah, yeah. And each person, you notice what you notice, and there's no, there can't be a wrong answer to this. It doesn't matter if it's something you perceive as positive or negative. It is what it is, and anything is completely good for this experiment. Great. Whatever each of us is noticing, we can now, as we notice it, and especially as we notice where it's located, we notice the sensation quality, we could think the thought, and it would be true, I am aware of this sensation. So I am aware of this sensation. That's a true thought. And then we just ask the question, okay, where's the eye located? And just notice the first location that comes into mind. So I'm noticing, if you're not sure, go back to to just noticing the sensation in your body. So I've got this place in my thighs. It's a little tingly. And I think the thought, I am aware of this sensation. So where's the eye that's aware of the sensation? Oh, and right away, I'm noticing this location, it's sort of part in my head and part out. It's mostly up here in my front part of my forehead. And then it's also part outside of my head. It doesn't have any specific boundaries, but it's as if it's about this big, sort of like a cantaloupe size, I suppose we could say. So, and and for what for you, what do you become aware of, Dawson? I got a Again, Connie Ray, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible student of everything because immediately I got something immediately and then I spent the next two minutes doubting myself, questioning it. Not what you need. Just cranking away, doing what it does. <laughs> I, I have that same tendency. I do. Yes, I really do. So, so what was the first thing that came up before you had the doubts? <laughs> the first thing was literally the letter I, a little I, right in the center and, and the top of that buzzing. Ring. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great, great. And I'm just going to encourage all the listeners to do the same thing that Dawson is doing. And it's what I did too. It's like, go with the first thing, even if it feels like kind of a guess, even if you're not at all sure, just go with it. And um, so you noticed right in the center of that buzzy thing. And um, for me, it was it was a whole different location. It was up here instead of down in my thighs. I want the listener, you, everyone following along to know you, the location that comes to you could be literally anywhere. It might be inside the body somewhere. It might be outside the body. If it's in, outside the body, it could be close around the head somewhere or it could be way far away. Um, it could be in your big left toe. I mean, theoretically, <laughs> I don't think I've ever found someone with, who came up with that answer, but it could be, it could really be anywhere. So whatever you notice, once I had somebody say, oh, it's way far away. And I said, so you mean like, is it, you know, five feet? Is it like a block away? Thinking I was being pretty far there. And he goes, and he said, no, it's like it's in another universe. It's so far away. It's, it's way, way far away. It can be literally anywhere. Other people, you might find it inside your head, you might find it inside your body somewhere, or outside the head or body somewhere. So wherever you find yours, notice about how much space it takes up. I was sort of showing how much mine, mine is kind of like the size of a cantaloupe, approximately, I'm guessing because it doesn't have an exact edge. And Dawson, you said yours was small in the center, right? So yeah, and and each of you following along, notice about how much area does it take up? How big is it? And then we need to go to a break now. So we'll go to a break and then we'll pick up again after the break. Great. So just enjoy and amplify and be sensational. Yes, yes. Great. See you in a bit.
Hello, and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and each week on the show, you get the latest in health, well-being, and happiness, along with plenty of practice and how to get there. For more on Connie Ray's work, and also to get a free copy of her book, Coming to Wholeness, go to her website, andreasnlp.com slash church. Again, Andreas, A-N-D-R-E-A-S-N-L-P.com slash church for far more than this very brief exercise we're doing right now. So Connie Ray, back to the exercise. Okay, wonderful. So here we are, all of us on the call with these eyes. We found the location of the eye. I know where mine is. You know where yours. Each of you can just re-engage with that, re-notice. Okay, is it far away? Is it close? Is it inside my body or head somewhere? About how big it is. And now I'm going to invite you to notice, sensing in and through the space of this eye, what's the sensation quality in and through the space? And by sensation quality, here's what I mean. Like if I sense in and through this space of mine, which is right here, is there a sense of warmth or coolness perhaps? Or for me, neutral, or maybe a tiny bit warm. Is there a sense of, of movement or stillness? For me, there's just a tiny, it's almost still, but there's almost like a tiny fluttering, a kind of fluttering like death settling. Is there a sense of heaviness or lightness? Or for me, there's kind of a lightness. Is there a sense of denseness or airiness or something else? There might be a kind of vibratiness, a might of buzziness, a, a sense of light or dark. For me, what I'm getting right now, there's a little darkness to it. So just notice whatever it is for you. And again, there's no right or wrong answer, and there is no better or worse answer. The very best answer is noticing exactly how it is, exactly how it actually is. And this is the key to this leading to actually awakening and what we could call enlightenment, because the, the whole thing about awakening enlightenment, it's not based on having to change who we are, actually. It's based on discovering that all of God's creation is already fine. And we've been deluding ourselves, you know. We make up these stories about it, think it's not fine. But I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. But but uh, it's by way of underscoring this thing about it's important and useful that we notice how it actually is. And the universe has a place for this. <laughs> However it is, there's a place for this energy. It doesn't have to be gotten rid of. And we'll go there next. So I notice this kind of slight dustiness and a slight darkness. Each of us can notice whatever we notice. And then we're going to shift to something else. We're going to just let go of this for a moment, put it on hold, go back to this sentence. I am aware of this sensation. We've explored the sensation in our body that we started with. We've explored the eye. We know where it's located. We know its size, shape, and sensation quality. But what about this middle word, awareness? So we're going to explore that a little bit now. I learned early on, awareness is a word that's thrown around a lot in the spiritual community. So I kind of assumed when I began teaching this to people that other people would have the same experience that I did of that word. And, and I started learning that wasn't the case at all. Each person tends to have their own unique experience of what that word awareness means. And I also recognize that for this process to work powerfully and well, um, there's a particular experience of awareness, a particular experience that makes that possible. So I'm going to guide everyone in, in that experience right now. 
And then, and, and it's just this, it's very simple, really. So right now, I'm using awareness to mean the capacity to experience, the capacity to experience that's already pre- present before experience arises. So what does that mean? Here's how we can make it let go of the idea and just experience that. And we know that awareness is through the body because if we didn't have awareness in our body, we wouldn't have noticed that body sensation, right? So I noticed this place in my thighs. You notice something in your forehead. Each each of you listening, you notice something because awareness is already through your body. And you can pause to just register that now, to experience that now, how awareness is already through your entire body. And I'm experiencing, ah, yes, there's this capacity. And because awareness is already through our body, throughout the whole thing, from the core through the outside, from from the torso through the limbs, through the head, everywhere, the capacity to experience awareness is already there. And it's a simple thing, though. It's because the reason we know it's there is because Okay, if somebody came and tapped you on the knee right now, you would notice. You wouldn't have to send your awareness over there. There'd be just this auto. If somebody comes and touches me on the shoulder, there'd be an automatic recognition of that because awareness is already here through the body. So relaxing to just experience this awareness through the body now, we can also recognize that we can sense that awareness is also in the space all around us in every direction. Because if I, if I snap my fingers on the left side, or if you hear a sound to your left, say somebody calls your name from the left, there would be an automatic receiving of the sound. You wouldn't have to, to go, Oh, maybe somebody's saying something out there. I better go send awareness out there now so that I know, so that I hear it. No, you don't have to do that. There's this automatic receiving of the sound because awareness is already there throughout the space. And if there's a sound on the right or somebody calls on the right, Again, there's an automatic receiving of the sound. And if somebody, if there's a sound in front, behind, above, below, any direction really, there's this automatic receiving of the sound that just happens. So awareness is through the body and through the space all around. Now we could take a little more time on that, but I'm going to just leave it at that. It's a, it's a simple experience we all can have very easily. We don't have to even meditate at all. We don't have to have years of practice. We can just notice, just notice this sense of space all around and through the body in this moment. And there's a sense also, it's this, the space doesn't have an edge to it. In our subjective experience, there isn't really any boundary or edge. It's just this, this sense of space that's everywhere all at once. And now we're going to do an experiment. We're going to go back. Do I have at least one more minute, Dawson? You do. Okay, awesome. We're going to go back to this sentence. Uh, we're going to go back to the eye that we found a moment ago. Each of you notice the eye. Go back to where it's located. And sensing in and through, notice the sensation quality. And then now I'm going to invite you to do something and just let the words go in, let whatever happens happen without effort. And so sensing in and through the space of the eye, the question is, notice what happens when the sensation of the eye is invited to open and relax in and as the full field of awareness that is all around and throughout. And without figuring anything out, without making anything happen, just allowing it to happen however it does, yeah, there can just be a, a, a sort of a falling into the happening of that, just allowing whatever happens to happen.
if nothing happens or if you're not sure, then you can go back and try it again. So where's the eye again? Oh, it's here. Notice the sensation quality in and through. Oh, yeah, I got it. Now, notice what happens when the sensation of the eye is invited to open, relax, dissolve, melt, in and as the full field of awareness that's all around and throughout. Wow, that was powerful. The moment you suggested that, immediately my eye just expanded to fill it all without any more urging or prompting. So that was a, a powerful experience of being I and also yeah, yeah. we're going to go to a break right now please stay tuned you're listening to High Energy Health my name is Dawson Church for a copy of Connie's book a free copy of her book go to the website andreasnlp.com slash church for a free copy of Coming to Wholeness that's andreasnlp.com slash church we'll be right back after a break Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church. Each week on the show, we explore the leading edge of health and wellness and give you lots to do to catalyze higher levels of health and wellness in your life, in your body, in your world. We want a fabulously healthy you, and we give you the tools to do it here on High Energy Health. For a copy of Connie Ray's book, Coming to Wholeness, go to andreasnlp.com slash church. We can get a book absolutely free. Again, that's andreasnlp.com slash church. She has other exercises in the book, and also lots of case histories of people who do this. Also, for a copy of my newest book, Bliss Brain, go to the website blissbrain.com. The hard physical copy of the book is free at blissbrain.com, and also eight free meditations, which I strongly recommend you practice. So that's all at blissbrain.com. So, so Connie Ray, here I am. I was the I. I've now expanded throughout the universe through as my as my awareness expands. Wow, is there anywhere to go next? <laughs> yes, actually, that great question. Yes, there is. Yeah, I, I want to underscore what we're doing a little bit before we go there to, to your question. Is there anything beyond this? Yes, yes, there is. So what we just did was a very quick beginning to find what we could call the ego, rather than talk about it conceptually, we're finding an indirect experience. And that makes all the difference in being able to have a transformation that is reliable and, and relatively rapid. It's I want to say, it, it's not that you're going to do this once and be a Ramana, a Ramana Maharshi. You know, it one time through will not get you there. It turns out that the ego is more than like, if you do this exercise repeatedly, though, what does happen and the follow-up exercises that because we go, there are some additional steps that make this more powerful yet. Then you have a reliable way. I, I, everyone that I know who's done this as a practice, a simple practice over time, does experience this, the shifts. And the first level shift that's most common is this kind of, there is this deep relaxation that's deeper than muscles because we're relaxing thought because actually holding this eye in place takes work. And it's all happening at the unconscious level. So we don't have the choice to relax that. 
But once we ask these simple questions, we find it, we release it, and it it releases it relaxes the system, which is so good for the health, so good for our feeling of well-being. You know, it's just so good for everything. But then the other shift that tends to happen is that people start, we start to feel this greater well-being, this access to solutions, uh, creativity, easy sense of humor. Things don't push our buttons so much. So one of the exercises in the book is about how to apply this with relationship hot buttons. And I think it's a big stressor, whether at work, work relationships or home relationships, we all have things that push our buttons. And this gives us a way to not override it, but to meet it. And then to it becomes its own doorway to the divine or to this experience of, of awareness, to different a shift in our consciousness. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. And so again, as you mentioned, it's a process of repeating it. And Ramana Maharshi and other teachers do say it's worth doing these practices repeatedly throughout the day. I know I had one guy I knew who set his watch to chime on the hour and he'd do it every hour. So however you remind yeah. yourself to do it, it's worth doing. And so what I'm so intrigued with in your work here is from going from psychotherapy then to this type of awareness work and then moving to what the saints and sages call enlightenment, these enlightened stages, states of, of yeah, mind yeah. and mentally of, of brain. You know, you were also, Dotson, you were asking, so is there anything more beyond this? I do want to say at least, I'll, I'll at least try to answer that <laughs> in, in our like one minute or so, right? With the wholeness work, I, I started noticing, I, I started with this dissolving of the I work based on the, the dissolving the ego, but it quickly led in my own experience, I started recognizing that there were other structures, unconscious structures of the psyche that are also universal, that we need to also meet and include and invite to dissolve. And so we have now, I've designed a series, a way to support people through the whole process so that it can be basically easier for you guys than for me. <laughs> because, you know, I, I started, like I said, with this sense of desperation. I need to somehow deal with this crisis that I'm in and I just hope I can find a way to survive. And this process of dissolving the eye was where I started and it did help me with this surge of electricity going through it kind of helped settle things. It helped settle the nervous system. But more than that, it I had the feeling that it was what my whole being was yearning for and seeking to this real transformation. That's what this surge of electricity, I believe in retrospect, was attempting to accomplish for me. Like, okay, Kanye Ray, it's time for you to let go of your rigidities, you know? <laughs> so, so it was a way to help me do that that's gentle and kind and systematic, reliable, gentle and kind. Wow, powerful. Yeah, whereas not, it's a fit in with your, with your life. And I also love the idea of that you aren't opposing those things that are standing in the way of your growth. You, you, you said, I think, meeting them and releasing them. So it's not like getting rid of them. Exactly, exactly. It's more like I use the metaphor of compost. It's more like there is no, uh, there's nothing in the back of the refrigerator that's too yucky for the compost pile. It, it, <laughs> you know? It will, it will, it was like if we take it and put it in the compost pile, it will dissolve and melt into its essential elements, dirt, it'll become good, rich soil again, which becomes the, the ground for, for new life. And that's the way all of our difficult responses and experiences can become the ground for new life. We don't, we don't want to get rid of them because they are the compost that we need. 
yeah, to move and, and thrive and grow. And then just in the last minute or two, Connie Ray, what is the what is the end point here? Where do you if you were to guide someone through here this process and it really worked, what would the end point be? The ultimate end point or the <laughs> they're That's different the they're different kind of as far I think it is unending. I you know, I think each of us continues evolving. We have that opportunity. So I think it, I haven't reached an end with it yet. And yet with each session with an individual, there are endpoints there are where people will say to me, wow, you know, thank you so much for guiding me through that. You know, I worked with a hot button to do with my husband or my wife. And now I'm finding I, I was able to, to just sit with my husband and out of love, just tell him what I wanted and needed. I, I wasn't mean like I used to be, you know, <laughs> and but I was I'm really clear now I have my I have my wants and needs and I'm expressing them. So so that's a, a like an intermediate end point where we can and a single mom with two kids, she had me teach her this as a meditation technique. And then after a while, she said, you know, the, I said, how's it going? She says, great, great. It helps me relax. I guess that she thought that was the whole deal. But then she said, the weirdest thing is happening. And I said, well, what's that? Well, my life is better too. It's not just that I'm relaxed. My life, my whole life is better. And I go, oh, that's great. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, well, at work, the things that used to stress me out, now I'm finding I just do my job and I'm more creative. I problem solve and, and I can I can do what I need to do. And at home, my, you know, I have a special needs kid and, but I'm, it's not pushing my buttons. I'm able to be there for them. As you expressed throughout your whole life. Connie Ray, thank you so much for sharing this with us today. We would love to send people to your site. We'll do that. Thank you for your wonderful work. And if you're listening to us every every week, make sure you stay tuned because there's more fabulous stuff coming up on the same theme. My name is Dawson Church. You're listening to High Energy Health. We will see you again, same place next week. Till then, stay healthy, stay happy, and thank you.